What's up, everybody? It's Dan, Binder Boneyard, coming at you from the office. Um, just excited to be back. Um, been been out a few months, haven't cranked out too many of these podcasts, so um, I'm just happy to be here. Um, thank you for everybody that's uh, been patient, waiting for these things to come back out. Uh, I have gotten some messages from people wanting to know what was going on, and uh, yeah, so, anyways, I appreciate the uh, appreciate the feedback, and um, I'm glad you guys are still hanging out. So, uh, uh, me and Josie are in the process of converting one of the bedrooms uh, into an office type uh, <laughs> an office type room, uh, and so uh, the podcast will be more available because uh, I'll be able to burn them out at home um easy a little easier and so i don't have to do them all from the shop uh, but anyways uh that should that should make it what do i say more um easier for me to make which means i'll be more available for you guys so um just wanted to say thank you again for everyone that's been uh hanging on so uh, i do appreciate it so, um, we're going to jump right in on this one. Um, it's getting warmer out there. It's, uh, mid June here, uh, starting to warm up. I know other parts of the country have already seen some hot days. Uh, I've been seeing some posts on Facebook and uh, Instagram about people trying to figure out why their rigs are running hot or, um, you know, what what's going on with them. So, um, I figured we'd cover cooling again. Uh, I have done a podcast about this in the past, but I think it's been a couple of years and I've picked up some more listeners. So, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll cover the ins and outs of cooling. So everyone that has a cooling problem, immediately goes to the radiator uh you know oh it must be plugged it must be bad it must be full of shit whatever and sometimes that's the case uh it's never the only reason uh i've seen a lot of cases where someone will replace the radiator and it gets better for a little while uh but then all that junk that was in the engine block or floating around in the system goes into your brand new radiator and then plugs it up again or fills it with fills it with sediment or junk. Um, so let's talk about why. Why does that happen? And you shake your fist at the sky. Why? The reason is that from the beginning international was terrible about cleaning out the blocks when they were made they you know they're they're cast they're cast in sand and then run through the machine shop and then assembled and as far as i can tell there was just some high school kid with a garden hose 
that like hosed them off as they came out of the casting and went to the machine shop. So there is a lot of casting sand and material still left in the water jackets and passages. Um, so, you know, you pack half of the water passages with sand and they don't cool as well as they should. So that's, that's problem number one. Uh, problem number two is people use, um, you know, garden hose, well water, whatever, uh, to top off their cooling systems over the years. And the, the process of heating and cooling and being passed through cast iron and then brass and then back to cast iron and, you know, over and over, um, it, it creates a weird kind of electrolysis rust process and you start building up rust and deposits and sediment in your, um, in your cooling system, especially if you live someplace that has hard water. <clears throat> um, you know, the Southern States, Nevada, Arizona, you know, you watch the water come out of the sink and, and after a while you just get this buildup of white salt mineral deposits and whatnot. So, um, so that's problem number two. And that's why the service manual and everything, you know, says you should you know, flush your cooling system every couple of years. Um, I know that <laughs> the thing that everyone always laughs about is if you're lucky enough to still have a, a mostly original uh, international, there's a sticker on the uh, core support that says, you know, do not change the coolant. It's good for a hundred, hundred thousand miles. Um, and we always laugh about that because, uh, that's rarely, rarely was the case. Um, or it might stay in there for a hundred thousand miles, but it probably wasn't doing your engine any good. So those are the initial problems that you run into is just there's sand left over and then you get the uh, sediment buildup that deposits from hard water um, using crappy coolant, not flushing the system regularly. Uh, and so, um, yeah, you just end up with, end up with all this junk in there. Um, and then that starts circulating around and then your radiator does start to collect those little pieces of sediment. Same with the heater core. Heater core collects those little pieces also. Um, not quite as bad, but uh, it definitely does collect some as well. So now, you know, fast forward 50 years, you might still have an original radiator. Um, you know, your motor's full of sediment and junk, and now it doesn't run very cool. So um, what I recommend to everyone who has cooling problems um, is, first of all, I ask them, you know, has the motor ever been rebuilt? Have you ever taken it out? You know, and a lot of times it's no, or it's I don't know, or they send me a picture of it and it is, looks like it came out of the ocean. You know, it's just grimy and, and rusty and all the paint's fallen off of it. And, you know, you can tell it hasn't been touched 
in probably its whole life. So everyone hates to hear it, but I tell them they need to take the motor out, pull it out, pull all of the freeze plugs or frost plugs or welch plugs or whatever you call it in your area and clean that block, blast it with a pressure washer, run bottle brushes through the passages, run, you know, clean it up really well, get all of that junk out of there. And that's same for, you know, pull the water pump off, pull the thermostat housing off, um, you know, really go through it. And the reason I'm saying that is because normally when people call me or I see the questions on, on the internet, it's because they've already replaced the thermostat and they've already replaced the radiator and it's still not helping or they've replaced this temperature sending unit. You know, you do, everyone always starts with the, the easy little stuff first. And, and I don't have a problem with that. Um, because a lot of times that's what it is, but you know, this is when that stuff doesn't work uh, and you've got to dig deeper, you've got bigger problems. So, so, you know, when they tell me, Oh, I've already done this, or I've already done that. Then that's when we get into the pulling the motor and, uh, and cleaning it stage. So, you know, clean it, pull the freeze plugs, water pump, pull the, um, uh, thermostat housing, all that off and um, just clean the bejesus out of it. And then once you have those passages clean as you can possibly get them, then you need to take air and blow out all of that water that was in there. Um, you don't want all that. You don't want garden hose water left in there. Um, you need to get it out. So try your hardest to get as much of that water out as possible. Um, you know, and then I would recommend a new water pump while you're in there. Um, new water pump, new thermostat if, if it's not new. Um, and then, you know, when you put those freeze plugs back in, make sure you get the brass ones they seem to hold up better in the long term because there's a the cheap version is the um you know galvanized steels um but we use the brass ones and all of our reseals we do here we use brass ones uh when we have motors rebuilt and they come back from the rebuilder sometimes it's hit or miss i ask them to put brass in every time and sometimes they show up with the galvanized ones and it's it's too late at that point. Um, you know, if I try to replace them, they'd probably void the warranty on me. So, you know, sometimes it is what it is on that, on our builds, but when we're doing just reseals and cleanups, we do brass, uh, on ours. So, um, you know, once you've got that's all taken care of and the motor sealed up and you've got a water pump and you've got the correct thermostat, um, you know, the Robert Shaw thermostat seems to be the best one that I've found. Um, you know, the, the hardware store or the Napa one or whatever, it might work in a pinch, but the, the Robert Shaw seems to be the one that, um, holds up the best and is the most consistent. Um, we buy those through 
you know, wherever we can get them. Sometimes it's IH Parts America. Sometimes it's Summit. It just depends on the part number um, or the availability, I should say. So, um, so then when you go, you put the motor back in and now it's time, you know, new radiator. I always like the aluminum radiators. They just seem to cool a little better. They're a little bit more consistent. Um, you know, uh, and along with that new hoses, of course, if you have it already, um, those are just important, you know, you're cleaning this whole thing out. So why, why put, you know, gross, dirty stuff back in there? Um, fan shroud, fan shroud is extremely important. It helps direct the air through the radiator. So when that fan is pulling, it's not just pulling from the entire atmosphere around it. It's actually sucking the air through the radiator. Um, you know, the Arizona Southern States guys like the six blade fans, um, which are available on certain packages. The, a lot of them had fan clutches. Um, so make sure that your fan clutch is working. If you have one, um, they're helpful and you do run the six blade, uh, fan with those. Uh, if you're running a fixed fan, you know, I've had really good luck with just the um, part store Flexalite um, six blade aluminum fans. They they move a lot of air. They're pretty quiet. Um, they hold up pretty well. They're a little bit lighter than the steel stock fans if you are running a fixed fan. So you might notice a, a tiny bit of performance increase. Um, I really discourage people from running electrics um you know a couple of spile fans in a nice shroud over an aluminum radiator works it works um you know they can cycle on and off with the thermostat so you know it they function well um but as far as um, reliability durability longevity uh you can't beat a good mechanical fan um i ran an electric fan on my cummins powered travelette for years and it failed a couple of times the the temperature sender failed or i had the motor fail once um you know and it just it creates all kinds of problems and with a fixed or with a mechanical fan actually driven off of the engine you're almost guaranteed to always have some sort of cooling. Uh, so that's why I really shy away from the electrics unless it's, you know, um, the, the circumstances are okay to run it, you know, weekend, weekend coffee shop, grocery getter, or, you know, parade truck or, you know, something that doesn't get used hard or ever. Um, you're probably okay with an electric it's going to be a big one and it has to have a nice fit to the radiator. But for these guys that are driving them often, um, you know, daily drivers or hard use trucks, got to have a, a mechanical fan. Um, some people will run an electric fan, uh, as a pusher 
in addition to the mechanical fan, um, you know, to help with your AC, um, you know, most modern manufacturers do that too. That, um, you know, they have a secondary fan for when you turn on the AC, then this electric fan kicks on and cools everything. So, um, you know, if you have room, you can run an electric also, but mechanical is where my heart is. So, um, you know, when you're in this process of cleaning everything out, make sure you flush the heater core. Heater core out is, is a good um, thing to do. Heater hoses, make sure you go through those, get those cleaned out. Because you don't want any junk left over from the, the nasty old system that you had. And so then put everything back together. Uh, and I use um, distilled water. Don't use hose water. Don't use purified drinking water, distilled water, and good old green concentrate coolant. And then you just mix it yourself 50-50 because it doesn't make sense to buy pre-mixed coolant because you're just paying for water. You know, you can buy a gallon of distilled water at Walmart for 92 cents and you can buy a gallon of concentrate antifreeze coolant whatever for eleven dollars or you can buy a bottle of pre-mixed or a jug of pre-mixed 50 50 coolant for eleven dollars so now you just bought <laughs> you just paid twice as much for the same thing so uh yeah buy a couple gallons of distilled a couple gallons of green coolant and then Start dumping it in, mix in, you know, one gallon of distilled and then one gallon of coolant. Uh, a lot of times what we do on full reseals like that, coolant seals or our rebuilds too, is we fill the entire thing with distilled water. And then we break in the motor or we do whatever just in case there's a leak because nothing is more discouraging than putting in a bunch of money in coolant and then having it leak out of a freeze plug that you didn't seal right or something. So, um, it's important, important to, you know, like I said, distilled water is cheap. So, you know, your cooling system holds like, I can't remember if it's six and a half or seven gallons of, of coolant. So, you know, seven gallons of distilled water is, you know, seven bucks. So it's, it's cheap insurance to, to do that first, fill the whole system up, do that, and then run it, circulate. You need to get it moving around, get the water moving through all the passages, um, get the air out of it. And sometimes it might take a little bit of driving. It might take moving it around. Um, but, you'll you'll have a bunch of air in the system that has to work its way out and that takes a couple of, of cycles normally um, the other thing that's important in that whole system is the overflow bottle um, you guys with the pre pre-70 trucks don't have one um, I recommend you put one in uh, we put in overflow bottles on everything that we do um, just because it helps it allows the radiator to carry a little more capacity and it gives your um, 
coolant a place to go uh, for expansion. Um, and then if you do have a problem, it boils over into the bottle and not all over the ground a lot of times. Um, so, you know, make sure your overflow bottle is nice and clean, cleaned out, and you've got distilled water in that while you're in this, doing this process. Cause it will, like I said, it'll boil out the air and then draw in the water to take the place of the air. So it's nice to make sure that you have clean, clean water going in after you're certain that you've got all the air out then you open the petcock on the radiator drain the radiator out uh, drain as much as you can out drain the coolant bottle um, and then add your straight antifreeze or coolant and then you know they make those little tester thing coolant testers that look like a bulb with a hose on it and it tells you what your coolant's rated at or what temperature it's rated at so normally what we do is you know because the system holds a certain amount you know you know that when you drain the radiator completely and then whatever comes out of the block at that time you know the lower hose and, and whatnot that when you put the replace what you drained out with straight coolant then um you know, you generally get pretty close to the 50-50 mix. So, which is good to like minus 40 or something as far as the freeze, the freezing goes. So, um, you know, if you've got a new radiator, new hoses, and a good clean system, you know, the other thing you can do to help with cooling is to run a higher poundage radiator cap. You know, like a 13-pound cap will help keep you from overheating uh, also, uh, or, you know, gets higher before it boils over into the overflow bottle. So that's, um, that's what I recommend, you know, full system flush, new radiator, clean the heater core or new heater core. If you think you need it, new hoses, fill the system with distilled water first, break it in, drain the radiator, top it back off with straight green coolant. And, uh, and then run it from there. And after you do that process, I have never heard of anyone still having cooling problems. Um, internationals just generally run hot. They, um, the blocks are super heavy and thick and tons of iron and, and all that. And so they generally do run warm, but, um, you know, normally going through that whole rigmarole, you, you knock down a ton of the heat. You know, if there is um, still more, you know, you, you're in Arizona and it's 120 degrees all the time and you're running the air conditioner and you have an automatic and you're doing all this stuff, um, an oil cooler is a, is a nice secondary add-on. Um, you know, they make international made them for the load stars. It was like a heat exchanger thing you know oil passes through one side of it and water passes through the other and it co cools the oil down at least to what the water temperature is um so you can go that route um or you can buy the they make these sandwich adapters that go between the oil filter and the housing and um and then they you can run it out to a, a little you know radiator so to speak out at the front of the truck um 
and that will drop the oil temp some as well. Um, you know, I try and tell people not to use the transmission cooler that's built into the radiator. I'd rather see the transmission get cooled. If you have an automatic, uh, transmission get cooled just by the air, just put a bigger auxiliary cooler on out front and, um, and then let the radiator just do, just let the radiator focus on cooling the engine, let the transmission get cooled by the air. Um, you know, so I'm kind of on the fence about the heat exchanger oil coolers, um, you know, the engine oil coolers, it goes either way, but you know, if you run a, the aftermarket one out in front, you know, you start getting pretty busy out there. There's, you start running out of grill room, um, you know, the other thing too, you can run a, a power steering cooler, the little inline guy you can put out front there as well. Anything to get the heat out of the engine bay, um, and out into the air, you know, uh, would help with the overall cooling. But the biggest thing is just making sure that the radiator, you know, can carry as much coolant as possible, making sure that it's passing through the block and, and the engine is as clean as possible. And, um, you know, and it can function, it's got a good fan, you know, um, but, but yeah, I mean, you've got options, like I say, the oil cooler, trans cooler, uh, power steering cooler, throw all that out front, out in the atmosphere on my Cummins power truck. I actually have my trans coolers are under the truck. Um, they're under mounted to the frame rail and they have fans built into them and so i just when i'm towing i just turn the fan on and it draws air through the cooler no matter what whether i'm sitting still or going 100 it's got air moving through it and um and it does a pretty decent job of cooling the transmission it still will get warm on certain long grades and things like that but you know so don't be afraid to get creative if you're going to go that route with the auxiliary aftermarket stuff, um, you know, I know under scouts are, are pretty, um, tight on space, but if you've got a, a D series or C series pickup, travel all something, you have a lot of real estate under the truck to, to move things around. So I wouldn't be afraid of mounting a trans cooler, um, you know, with a fan on it or uh, you know your power steering cooler or even your oil cooler under the truck if you've got you know a way to kind of sort of protect it but and you don't mind running a fan on it um, and even though it's under the truck it still gets airflow through it uh, and maybe you know, of course not as much as being out in front of the truck but if you trust running an electric fan like for me I don't have a temperature switch on mine I just have I have a gauge, I can watch the trans temp, um, but I just have a toggle switch that runs the fan. Um, so when I know that I'm gonna be towing, I just turn it on. Or if it's 110 and I'm in stop and go traffic, turn it on, uh, and that seems to help help a ton. Um, you know, And that's something else too, is just monitoring your engine and your systems. Make sure your gauge is reading right. Make sure your sending unit is good. Um, you know, like I said, if you've got an automatic, don't be afraid to put in a trans temp gauge to watch that. Um, 
You know, I know some guys have run oil temperature gauges just to see what their engine is doing um, because they've had cooling problems. And, you know, sometimes, you know, brand new rebuilt engines will run warm while everything breaks in and then they cool down over time. And you'll see that in the oil temperature, you know, you'll run 250 degrees in the oil temp and 190 on the water temp. And then over time, as they break in, then, you know, the engine oil temp will come down. But anyway, um, yeah, so those are my cooling system suggestions. Uh, it's kind of all over the place on there, but hopefully you're able to glean some, some info off of that. So anyway, um, I think that'll, that'll do it for me. So I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast, we do have a Patreon page. Uh, you can donate a dollar there or whatever you'd like to do. Um, don't forget, we've got the YouTube channel. We're always putting videos up there. Um, of course, you know, Facebook and Instagram and all that. So, um, again, thank you. And uh, I'm Dan from Binder Boneyard. Uh-huh.